All right. I spoke uh, a couple weeks ago, and we've been talking about choosing sides. And what inspired this for me was uh, I got to pick, I got to pick and choose sides in fantasy football. That is a, it may apply to a number of sports, but the National Football League in the United States, uh, it's modeled after that, and you get to pick your favorite players. Hopefully, they are also the best players. And then every week you compete against someone else. And so there's a little group here in the church, and I, I, they let me in. And I've, I was able to pick and choose my sides. And so far I'm doing pretty well, just so you know. I only lost once. Yep. But I'll be back. But it gave me the idea, you know, that we, we do the same thing. We pick and we make choices, and that's really how we build our lives and we're making choices about who we partner with in terms of uh, life and, in, and friendships, friendships that develop into relationships, relationships that grow into marriage or grow into business encounters. And, and so trying to get you to consider and think about who, who is on your team right now and should you be making some trades, should you be making some cuts, should you be choosing a better side than what you have been used to. And so last, I shared with you about being unequally yoked. It's a reference that the Apostle Paul makes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that it get us to consider who is in your closest circle. Who are you doing business with? What's their character like? And what are they convicted by? And what are their beliefs? knowing that it is impossible, again, to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally mature, immature. Just some key points from the last opportunity I had to share with you. Today, I want to look at some choices that we tend to make in the moment. The moments, I hope that, and we, I think we would all agree and hope that we are operating with the kind of maturity that, that reveals that we are both spiritually mature and emotionally mature, meaning that we are not so easily triggered. You're not quickly angered. You're not quickly jealous. You're not quickly uh, feeling down just because of someone says something or because the roads are closed and you can't get around. Or someone says something to you and it offends you and you're offended very quickly and anger arises and you're, you're ready to, to do something. But, but thinking in terms not on the bad side but on the good side, well, what, is, what would it look like for you and I to be spiritually mature and emotionally mature at the same time? What might we choose? I'm going to begin today with a scripture looking at Luke chapter 10 in verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care 
that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Lord, I thank you for these few minutes we have together to explore your word and allow you to speak. And God, we pray that you do exactly that. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from heaven today. I want a fresh, fresh bread, Lord, to speak into our lives. Take away the familiarity, perhaps, of a story. Let us see something new. Let us see something fresh. Let us see a an an application that changes the course of our life, the choices that we make. God, accomplish your will in my life and in all who would agree with me by saying amen. Amen. So they're at the home here. The scene is the home of Mary and Martha. And we'll later make the connection. This is also, they have a brother named Lazarus. And they're in Bethany. And this ends up being a place, a reference to Jesus going to and from Bethany. Uh, It happens often, and there's a relationship being built, and we see in Scripture as we connect these that that Jesus loved loved these folks. He loved this brother and sister combination, loved being in their home. And on this occasion, there's, uh, as Jesus has come, that there are preparations to make. And, and we do that. You invite, perhaps you have someone coming uh, to lunch or a meal this week even. And, and with that, well, you've got to gather some things and you've got to prepare some things and you want the home to be just right. And that's natural. There's nothing uh, so unusual about that. We all want to make our best presentation But on this occasion, as Martha is doing uh, the chores and doing the work of the dinner guest, that her sister Mary uh, has excused herself from those things so that she might sit at the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. This is the the first we read about in in Luke's gospel of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. uh, Martha, on the other hand, she has something else going on, and she, instead of sitting at Jesus' feet, she's doing the preparations that have to be made. A scripture says that she is, in fact, distracted in verse 40, that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, distractions, you know, I, I, I read that, and sometimes it's my responsibility to help and prepare. We have someone coming over. Uh, we have uh, a team arriving from the United States. We have preparations that have to be made. Distractions in themselves are not evil, but it still can be distracting from an opportunity that we have to sit at the feet of Jesus. I was so looking forward, and still am, uh, to gather here today, and I'm so excited this morning after praying this week that roads would be open today, and what about that? They're open today. Uh, I 
I'm just crazy enough to believe that God is able to move those kind of mountains and open up uh, the highways and the byways and the streets and allow us to gather once again. But there are a number of distractions, and I I wanted to share this word with you to get you to consider for a moment what distractions might be in your life and might be what prevents you from doing what Mary did and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Not necessarily evil things, not bad things, but still things that keep you from the feet of Jesus. Distractions, distracting activities, the potential to rob us of of special moments, intimate moments with Jesus. You see, we have a corporate gathering today. I've already begun my moment. I mean, I, I felt the presence of the Lord here from early on today, and I want to sit at his feet. And I, There's a special uh, occasion, a special opportunity, and I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I want the presence of the Lord to be evident for all of us, and so that we can indeed sit at the feet of Jesus. That's the corporate setting. There's also the secret place setting. I can't do that for you, but that is for you and I to find that time and that space for a secret place where we can again sit at the feet of Jesus. But that's for you to do. That's your responsibility. And yet, I am also convinced that there is an enemy of your soul, of your purpose, of your destiny, of your walk with God that would love to bring every distraction, everything possible that would prevent you from the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus, prevent you from joining a corporate gathering, prevent you, distract you from anything in the, in the secret place and in that space as well. Something that would distract you from what God has for you. It makes me wonder, well, what, what have we missed due to our own choices in the moment where we've had opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus, but we have missed it due to the distractions that are in our life? What kind of distractions do you have? What keeps you from having an intimate relationship with Jesus? Yeah, you know, and you would love to know more of the Word of God, but you're distracted from actually spending time in the Word of God. You know that you you need to pray, and you want to pray, and you think it's a good thing to pray, but yet you're distracted from praying because you have other distractions in your life, other obligations, other things on your list that that you are pursuing, and you identify quite a bit with Martha, perhaps, today. What are you distracted from? What what is your distraction? For some folks, it, it is just their job. Your job absolutely consumes you. Your job is something that you do continually and you do on and on and and you put in way too many hours and you know that and it distracts you from sitting at the feet of Jesus. For some of you, you, you not only have a job, you have a side hustle and it is your side hustle, your need for more your need, your, your perceived need for more income, although God has provided for you and you should be content with what he's given you, but you want more. And it's your side hustle. It is your hobby. It is your other friendships. It is, it is uh, your, your, your gaming. It is your sports. It is 
whatever you need. Some, some of you need a need for validation. You need something to boost up your ego, something to tell you that you're the best and you're, you're the winner and, and you've got to pursue your dreams. You've got to be Nike and just do it. And as I've said in the Word this week and just thinking through all the distractions that might keep you or I from the feet of Jesus, it was worth mentioning this today and worth driving you, encouraging you to do inventory of your life and what distractions might indeed be there that might be robbing you from great times set at the feet, at the feet of Jesus. Years ago, 20-some years ago now, I, and, and this is still uh, acceptable in the modern church today, but 20-some years ago, and I began to go down a path believing the Lord stirring me to, to be a church planter. I was a pastor already, but being a church planter. And so this was new vocabulary to, for me because really as I look back that we had taken uh, church leaders and trainers and coaches had taken so much from the corporate world and brought it into the church and they had certain things they were looking for. And it, 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 it became... And it still is today. Someone greeted me this week. Hey, I'm a type A personality. Thank you. What does that mean? That you're going to run over me or anybody else that gets in your way? Because church, we have celebrated stuff like that. We have tolerated and we have uh, encouraged and we have embraced that as normal language. I'm type A and I'm here to run over you. And, I, and in my discovery 20-some years ago, that's kind of what they were looking for. Let, let's find the right church planter. He's a D on the disc, that D-I-S-C personality thing that was so popular 20-some years ago. Now, we, we need a D on the disc. If you're not a D on the disc, then you're not going to be driven enough. You're not going to be able to just get it done because those type A's and that, that type D, well, they're the kind of people that they just get stuff done. And that's what we're looking for. And so we've celebrated that. We've, we've, we've gotten all of that together. And I look at this passage, and that's exactly what I see going on right here. Martha has a list. Is she a type A maybe? She's got to get stuff done. There are, there are people that need to be fed. There are bills that have to be paid. And, and we use thinking like that uh, and because it has been encouraged even in the church that we have, we have placed value on that even above uh, the, what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit produced in you. That many churches, they're looking not, not for a pastor who produces fruit of the Spirit, but they're looking for a CEO, a type A, a type D that will just drive and, and push the numbers and get things done. And we've got a mess in the, in the big C church because of it. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for the way that we embrace and incorporate culture and corporate thinking when you, you outlay for us a better way, it's a better way. You see, Martha, she asked Jesus to please validate my behavior. Please validate what I'm doing here. And she says to him, Lord, don't you care? 
Because some of us say things like that. Some of you, you have an agenda. You have work to do. You have your list you're checking off. You have your drive that you're trying to satisfy. And you justify. And you can't participate. I, I, I can hold up a book like this all day long. You're not coming on board. Because you tell the Lord, Lord, you know I got bills to pay. Well, whose fault is that? There's people dependent on me. There's stuff that's got to get done. And don't you care, Lord? You've got to equip me. You've got to clear the roads. You've got to give me the resources. You've got to bring everything together. Well, why? Validate me. Validate me. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus responds with a firm He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Anybody? How's your week been? Worried, upset about many things? Crying out, Lord, Lord, clear these roads. Lord, make something happen. Lord, I got things, I got numbers to meet. I got, I got things to do. Lord, help me. Move, the, move this. Anybody worried and upset about many things? But Jesus says in verse 32, 42, only one thing is needed. One thing. One thing. Not 10, not 12, not three points. One thing is needed. And Mary has done what? She's chosen what is better. She's made the best choice. There, were a, there was a choice to be made. And yeah, I hear you, Mary. I hear you, Martha. But see, Mary made the better choice. She is at the feet of Jesus. And it's not going to be taken away from her, Jesus says. Is there not a lesson to be learned there? A lesson as you do inventory of your life today and you might honestly say to yourself, yes, I am distracted I am distracted, number one, in this room today. I'm distracted, and I'm looking. My, my, it, it's a heart cry, Lord, help me. Bring me some helpers. Bring me some staff. Tell my sister, tell my brother, do something. And Jesus responds, there's one thing you need to worry about. <laughs> you need to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he'll take care of everything else. Doesn't that line up with all over Scripture? Isn't it beautiful? Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added. But no, we're going to worry. We're going to fret. And we got stuff on the line. And sometimes it's our brand on the line. It's our ego on the line. It's all the things that we need to, to uh, help us feel good about ourselves. And, and we need some, some help. And, and we're crying out to Jesus. And what he might clearly say to you today is there is one thing that matters. And it is that you sit at the feet of Jesus. And if you'll commit to do that, that he might say, that's all that counts, that's all that matters. That is what you need to be focused upon. Oh, Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany, setting the bar. 
Setting the bar. The Apostle Paul echoes this. I'm gonna, it's a new living translation, not on your notes there, but 1 Corinthians 7.35, if you want to note that. 1 Corinthians 7.35, Paul says, I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. With what? As few distractions as possible. The NIV says undivided devotion. I'm not trying to restrict you. I'm saying this for your benefit to help you as you serve, that you have as few distractions, as, as little undivided devotion as possible. Because it could be that we've gotten it all wrong, church, that we've listened and you think, oh, I'm not a type A. I don't, I don't think I can do that. Or I'm, I'm not a type D. I don't think I can really speak or say anything. And the fact might be that the Lord, the Holy Spirit is working in you and you're, you're producing fruit of the Spirit and you're quieter, but you're a man or woman of prayer. I want you on my team. I'm, I'm tired of bullies. <laughs> I'm tired of people running over me, aren't you? I'm not going to celebrate that. We can't celebrate that. That is not Christ-like behavior. Here's the thing. See, gifts of the Spirit are given, but fruits of the Spirit are grown. The gifts of the Spirit are the power of Christ, but the fruits of the Spirit are the character of Christ. You will know them by their fruits, not by their gifting. I love this scene with Mary and Martha, but it, I didn't notice before as this story continues, but in John chapter 11, we, we, this passage, and, and it's lengthy, I'm not going to share all of it, but I invite you to read John chapter 11, and this tells us the story, these same sisters, their brother is Lazarus. And they send word to Jesus, Lazarus is very sick. And you love him. So they built relationship. Jesus, to and from Bethany. How often did he stop in their house? See, they built relationship over time. They got to know each other. They, they broke bread together. Shared meals together. And they know that Jesus knows this and knows that Lazarus is sick, then, well, then Jesus is going to come and, and he's going to touch him and heal him because they do believe he is the Messiah. And they lay it out. And they send word. And yet, Jesus doesn't come. And in fact, Scripture says that he waits two more days. And by the time he actually gets there, that Lazarus has been, he's been dead four days. Four days. But Jesus said previously in, in, in early in chapter 11, verse 4, you know, he's trying to explain things, but he says that this sickness, it's not going to end in death. Meaning it's not going to end the way that you think. And so Jesus is talking, but not everybody's understanding. In fact, nobody's really understanding what Jesus is saying. 
And it made me think how often that Jesus has been speaking to me in my life and I don't understand what he's saying. Because he's got a different agenda. He's got a kingdom agenda. And he kind of explains here, he said, what, it, this is not going to end in death, but, but it's going to bring God glory. And the son's going to be glorified through these circumstances. And that's right over everybody's head. And he speaks to many of us. And we don't get it. Because the agendas do not align. And, and I look back over years walking with Jesus and think, there are times that I've been disappointed because Jesus did not show up on the timeline that I needed him to show up. I sent word. I, I, it made perfect sense. I mean, Jesus loves Lazarus and surely doesn't want to see him die. And so Jesus is going to come. He's going to make it better. And I've had circumstances like that too, where in my mind, it all lines up and it's all going to be great. And, and Jesus is going to come through and this is the right kind of thing. And we've declared it and decreed it and commanded it. And then whatever it was actually died. Could have been a person. Could have been your business idea. Could have been the relationship. But everything made sense to you. But what no one is hearing here is that Jesus is on a kingdom timeline and a kingdom agenda. And it's for his glory. And it reminds me that my life, I don't, the times I miss it because I'm thinking that God's going to come through, and, but it's usually somehow to my benefit. Maybe you too. But it, something ends up not happening, and the dream dies, and it's all gone, and finally Jesus shows up. And then we're left to try to figure it out. And now, in hindsight, I can look back and see how many times that something had to die before I would move forward. Because I'm hanging on to everything. I don't have a kingdom agenda. I, I can't see that God's going to be glorified or the Son's going to be glorified through these circumstances. I just don't see it. And, I, and I'm not in alignment with that kind of thinking. And yet I can look back and know and realize I would not be moving forward if something hadn't died. Sometimes it's a financial piece. That business had to fail <laughs> or I wouldn't be standing here. Some door had to close for you. It had to die or you would not have moved on. You would, you would not be here today. You would not be doing what you're doing even today because things have to die and yet you look back and the Lord is glorified even through you now, but it, something died along the way. Jesus didn't show up on your timeline. Anyone been disappointed since starting to follow Jesus? Those times when he just did not deliver the miracle on your timeline. So Martha, the scene, that's where I'll pick up. Let's pick up in verse 17. 
On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, meaning you didn't have any excuse. It's like walking down to Starbucks from here. You can do it. Didn't come. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, this is your fault, just so you know. Martha, I... I, I, reading, piecing all these things together, I'm thinking she was type A back before type A was cool. But she's given it to Jesus. He would not have died. But verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. That's over her head. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. It's over her head. She doesn't get it. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha says, verse 27, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. She had stayed back. And she let her know again, the teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly, went to him. And now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I want you to notice verse, just verse 32. Just make sure you notice she fell at his feet. This is the second time. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33. <clears throat> when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. He saw her weeping. She's at his feet. Mary again at his feet. In the middle of her disappointment, in the middle of her pain, in the middle of her incomplete understanding of all that's happening in these circumstances. She puts herself again at the feet of Jesus. Not, she could have stayed inside. She could have stayed with the mourners. She could have got to the point where she said, you know, Jesus, I, I, I'm just mad. You, if you had been here, he would not have died. It was only two miles. But no, she comes out and 
and she's just broken and she's weeping. She's experiencing disappointment. It's very real. And as I shared earlier, see, if, if we're not operating with a combination of spiritual maturity and emotional maturity at the same time, our emotions can get the best of us and there's no way we're going to sit at the feet of Jesus and, and pour our heart out to him and let our tears fall. We're not going to do it. Our emotions will get the best of us and we'll become angry and we'll become bitter and we'll sit in the middle of our disappointment and maybe it is the loss of someone we love. Maybe it is the loss of a business, it is the loss of a relationship, it is the loss of so many things, and the temptation for you or I is to just sit in the middle of our disappointment and, and become numb to everything else and just, and just over and over again replay in our mind, Jesus didn't show up, Jesus didn't show up, it's, it's your fault, this, you, you didn't come. And Jesus, again, folks, he's working on a different timeline. It is a kingdom timeline. It is walking in the will of God for his glory. That's hard for us to grasp sometimes because we think so much of ourselves, but it might be that God's will for any one of our lives is that the circumstances that we walk through, it's not our fault, but it's the circumstances that we're walking through, and those circumstances ultimately honor God. They bring glory to God because it is not about you. We all died. If you're a follower of Jesus, you died to yourself. It is no longer about your ego and about your name being in the lights or about your pockets being full. It is about you taking up your cross daily, dying to yourself. That is not popular these days. But I'm telling you, that is what you've signed up for if you've said yes to Jesus Christ. He died for you. The expectation is that you die to yourself. And it means that you will leverage your life. You will, you will take, this is leverage, right? I'm, I'm bending this. It is, it is for something else. We leverage something. And it is your life being leveraged for the glory of God. That means that you may have some disappointment. You may not be the, the one in lights. It may be some relationships even through you, through influence. You know, they came to know Christ. Eternity is long. This is a short time. I've got a short time to use a voice. You have a short time to use your influence and use your voice, your life, your work, your ministry. It is all for the glory of God. Jesus said, Mary at the feet of Jesus, pouring out her heart. I didn't put this together before, but John chapter 12, let me read to you the first seven verses of John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Same Lazarus, same home in Bethany. Same sisters, Mary and Martha. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Mar Martha served once again. 
while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume that we, we know is worth a year's wages. Whatever value is in your head, think of what a year's wages is for you. And that is what she is working with here. She comes, she takes this pure nard, and, and she pours it on Jesus' feet, wipes his feet with her hair, and the house is filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what it was put in it. And Jesus says, leave her alone. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. Back up again to the last slide, please. And one more. And where's Mary in verse 3? At the feet of Jesus. Three times we read about Mary of Bethany. And we can put all these pieces together. And three times we find her in the exact same spot. She's at the feet of Jesus. Now the first time she's She's distract, there's a distraction factor going on with her sister. The second time, there's a great disappointment going on in, in her life. And this third time, it's about worship. She has this great value. It, Jesus says this was supposed to be for my burial. Um, she knows time is short, perhaps, and she goes ahead and brings it and is at the feet of Jesus in an act of worship, bringing herself. I mean, in a room of people. Disciples don't know what to do with this. Judas is disgusted with this. Others around, I mean, it, it is a scene where you have to leave aside your ego. You leave aside every bit of pride that you have. And then once again, you're at the feet of Jesus, pouring out something of great value. Like this, God, this is who you are. You are the Messiah. And I'm doing this while you're living. I'm bringing my best worship There are things, I believe, in our lives, not just me, but all of us, that it would be an act of worship to take something of value, something that you hold so dear, something that is worth a year's wages or more to you and in your life, and it is a distraction to you. It is a disappointment but you keep going and you keep trying because you're a Nike guy and you just, 
you, you just got to do it. And, and you're, you have some other false hopes and expectations that, that you, you really want to see yourself, your pockets full and your name in the lights and all those things. And I'm just trusting today that perhaps the spirit of the living God is speaking to some people today to bring that to an altar and bring it to worship today that, Lord, this is yours. This is worth a year's wages. But it's been a distraction for me. And I'm laying it at your feet. And I'm, I'm seeing today the pattern of what it is to, to be at the feet of Jesus, regardless of what's going on in terms of distraction. Somehow to pave a way through all of the distraction and be able to just be at the feet of Jesus. Somehow through all of the disappointment and all of the pain and all of the things that we hold and have caused us to perhaps even have a bitter root today because something did not go your way. And your act today, your act of worship today would be to come and sit like Mary at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, perhaps I didn't understand. Perhaps I didn't get it but for your kingdom and for your glory and your honor. Here's the thing about worship. Let me give you a quote. This is a guy named Chris Burns. He said, Abel's worship got him killed. David's worship made him look like a fool. Mary's jar of perfume had offended all the apostles. If our worship doesn't cost us something, we haven't learned true worship yet. Something special happens when worship actually costs us something. When we encounter trial, pain, or loss, worship becomes something so much more special. Don't waste your trial. Worship through it. See, true worship then, you know, I, I, I am in trial, I am in pain, I am in loss, and then, then it costs me something. It, it perhaps costs me my, my ego, my pride, just to come and worship and sit at the feet of Jesus and, and be humble enough to say, God, I'm, I don't know that I understand all of the circumstances in light of eternity, in light of your kingdom. But Lord, I'm just going to worship at your feet. Brothers, you know, you're, you're in a place, you're in a space where you're disappointed. I mean, it just didn't go the way you thought. And Jesus didn't come and come through on the timeline that you had in mind. And the resources have run out. The deal has ended. And you don't know what's next. And it would be an act of worship just to come and set it the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, here I am. And for others of you, you've got some distractions in your life and, and it would be an act of worship today just to think about that and think about what it is that takes away my time and why that is. So we might actually take something that is so distracting. We know it is. The Holy Spirit has revealed it today and you would just come and sit at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, here this is. This is yours. I want you, Lord, above all else. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We offer our bodies. This is who we are. This is our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions. And we come and we set it before the Lord and we say, Lord Jesus, I set at your feet. And here is what I thought, but here, here is who I am. Here is everything I'm about. Here is what I think. Here's my hopes, my dreams, my disappointments. And I'm coming as an act of worship. Here I am. John 4.23, Jesus said it this way, that yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. But the Father's actually seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Not those who would not, not want spirit and not want truth, but those who understand the spiritual act of worship that Paul's talking about, that Jesus is talking about. We worship the Father, and the Father is seeking worshipers. Revelation 4.8 tells us what this looks like. That in each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We're going to sing a song in a moment. It's called Yours by Elevation. It'll be familiar for many of you. One of the, part of the, of the lyrics that says, Worthy is the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Worthy. Worthy. As we live in a day, we live in the day where we just, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know when we get to gather again. We don't know when we get to have these corporate opportunities. We love it when we do, but we don't, when, we don't know what's, what next week bring. I, I pray that we're open and we can do that, but we really don't know. But in a corporate setting, in a a gathering here today, I just think, wow, what if this was the last opportunity I had to gather for a while or ever? Because my life is about His glory. What, however many days I get, it's for His glory. We look around today, and I, I saw one of you post this week that, like getting up and the getting up in the morning and looking out, wondering what, what chapter of Revelation are we in today? Because that's really the bigger picture, guys. It's not even in Guatemala. We've got our issues right now. President, attorney general, new president, maybe. And, but guys, my hope's not in any, any leader like that. My leader is in the, my hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ and him only. And it is that way, not just in Guatemala, but around the world. Earthquakes, signs in the skies, war, rumors of war, escalation of war. Israel, as there's, there's prophetic 
activity. Guys, it's, we watch and pray for Israel and their salvation because it, there's, there's real things there. It's not just something I'm curious about. It's not just, guys, no, I'm, I'm excited because I believe that I may be living in the day that God has called me and you to live in the last days. Wow, what an honor. What an honor. And others, I say that and they dismiss me quickly and say, well, you know, God, I've been going saying that for years and years. I, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm telling you, I'll tell you this again. I live every day. I wake up in the morning and I would literally say, wow, I'm still here. Okay, there's work to be done. But I have to live that way. I, I, I can't see it ever being any differently. And so the filter that I share with you will always be that filter that I believe we're in the latter moments of all of eternity, hanging in the balance. And so I've got limited opportunities, and so do you. And so I have to preach and share with you a sense of urgency. It's a sense of urgency. My eyes are around the world because... I, the whole world is broken, guys. It needs Jesus. That's it. That is it. And, and our hope can be in nothing else. As we close today, as we sing the song, band or whoever's going to help me, you don't, you don't want me singing today. But they're going to lead us in a song, and it's an opportunity for, for us to come to the feet of Jesus. Corporate opportunity. You may want to come and kneel here. You may want someone to pray with you or not. You may want to turn the place where you're seated into an altar. But guys, he is worthy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And Lord, we long for your appearing. We long to see you. That has to be the cry. That has to be the heartfelt, celebratory heart cry of every believer. Lord, there's more to this life than paying the bills and seeing our names in the lights. But, Lord, it is to honor you. And I pray today, Lord, as we all do inventory of distractions and disappointments and even our worship, that, Lord, you would speak deeply into the hearts of each of us, that you would allow us to set aside some distractions at an altar today, that you would allow us to set aside some disappointments. They hurt. You know how it is. Jesus, you wept because the hurt is real. Others of you, it's, it's been a while. You've, you've, you've gone been through a worship that is just going through the motions. And maybe God would speak to you again today. You've been too much about working the list and you need to be about that one thing. You need to be choosing the one thing and placing yourself at the feet of Jesus. Worthy are you, Lord. We are your church. And Lord, online or in person today, we pray that you are glorified in our lives, submitted to you. In Jesus' name, amen.